Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you doing, good sir? Doing pretty good. Nothing quite like a nice 80-degree September <laughs> afternoon in the state of Indiana. Interesting stuff. Well, don't worry. It'll be 50 tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> That's usually what happens. Well, we have we have some chilling tales in store for you listeners today. Uh, we've been kind of talking about doing this. We do this every year, really. Uh, my personal favorite time of the year is Gen Con. And Gen Con got delayed a smidgen this year for obvious reasons. Uh, but we wanted to have kind of a, a, a special guest to talk about Gen Con because my co-host does not always uh, get the opportunity to go uh, to kind of give a little bit uh, a better sense of history and some of the things that go with it. He's been around the gaming industry for a long time, a friend of mine that I've known for many years. His name is Frank Epperson. He is the ADA employment consultant for IU. Um, some people may know him as the Frank. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for talking with us today. Well, heck yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, I uh, When you said, uh, hey, Frank, you want to talk about Gen Con? Well, you know, that's uh, without a doubt one of my favorite subjects, you know, gaming in general. But then, uh, you know, you had Gen Con on top of that. And how can I say no? It is it is a beautiful time. Even even the, the worst Gen Con often is better than the, the better convention of anything else that you might be able to go to. At least that has been my experience. And I would agree with that. My... Uh, co-workers actually know um when gen con's coming and that i'm gonna be off and it's the one time of year when do not call me i don't care if the building is burning down do not call me now i've managed to drag uh, richard to a convention or two a comic book convention uh, a variety of conventions and he had uh, some eye-opening experiences on a, on a slightly smaller scale and then we uh we did uh indie pop con one year yep so haven't been able to get him onto the Gen Con side of things, but uh, there are a variety of reasons for that that will eventually be overcome. <laughs> yeah, right on. But you know, PopCon's a it's a neat little con too. I mean, for what it is, yeah. it's no Gen Con, but no. you know, for what it is, it's not been around nearly as long. It it's not a bad little con. It really isn't. No. I enjoy it every time I go. I just appreciate the fact that that something like Gen Con is so close in the scale that it is in the world scale that it is that, you know, at least for us, it's just an hour North and it's pretty cool that Indy actually does a lot of those things. They have a nice place to do a lot of those conventions in general. And I always feel like from what everybody says, even from the time the Super Bowl was here years ago, that Indy, really kind of puts on a good show in a certain sense and takes care of their guests and their visitors. Yeah, they've definitely, they've tricked out downtown Indianapolis to be friendly to extraordinarily large groups of people, which is in this day and age, exactly what you want to <laughs> want to see yes. <laughs> everywhere and around. But, you know, it got me to thinking when, when we were talking the other day, Frank, uh, I've known you for quite a long time. Uh, we, we uh, go I back. Honestly, rem I don't honestly remember meeting you. That's yeah. how long we've known each other. Yeah, it's just been forever. I I remember because it was, 
you know, I, I was exposed to gaming originally with uh, Magic the Gathering before I left for college. And then in college, all of the other kinds of games were just kind of opened up and I got into Warhammer. And <laughs> down in Greenwood, there was this nice little game store that would run Warhammer tournaments. And that is where I ran into you the very first time playing uh, our armies uh, against a variety of different people and each other and just having a grand old time of it. Oh, were you in the, uh, were you in that huge battle with uh, five armies on either side? I was in the eye of terror campaign. Okay. Okay. And that was right on. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I still have that little wooden plaque from that. (laughs) Hey, don't get rid of that. Yeah. Not going to happen. Uh, it's a joyous time. But that got me to kind of wonder, I mean, we're, we're all coming from different directions. How did you get exposed to gaming in the first place? What drew that love out for you? Oh, gosh. I've been playing D&D since first edition. Um, and the thing that I um, have always liked about the gaming table is it's the one place where everybody's welcome. Nothing matters other than do you want to play this game? The only reason something else would matter is if you made it matter. Right. And, uh, you know, um, if you, in my opinion, and it's in, you know, uh, you know me long enough, I'm full of opinions and I have no problems giving those opinions. Um, in my opinion, you know, gaming, true gaming is open to everybody. You know, you may need to do something different to, you know, make it possible for someone who doesn't do things the way you do things to do those things to play. But it's it's the one thing that, uh, you know, nothing matters other than do you want to play this game? Right. So I started playing in first ed and uh, I I remember um playing in middle school uh, <laughs> uh i think it was called homeroom i don't know i'm old now i can't remember those things <laughs> but uh i saw this thing it said uh, D. i'm like hey dungeons dragons i'm into that stuff let's let's go you know and um so that's how i got started yeah, back in the early days, that's uh, if you're not completely familiar, Richard, I, I'm sure that most of our listeners are. The the classic Gary Gygax uh, game started very very simply. If you see the original Dungeons and Dragons materials, it's almost like a, a training manual uh, <laughs> for, yep. for going into. A, you're going to be starting as a fry cook here at McDonald's. Uh, please read this hundred page instructional booklet. Uh, refer to table C uh, and look at row A. It it, it evolved and the 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 art <laughs> just got better and they added some more complexity and uh, it was kind of a a beautiful thing. Well, well I got to tell you, there's a a special place in my heart for that quote unquote horrible art. Yeah. Well, it took a small creative process to pull it together, and it took the the love from people that had that and the interest and of course it just grew and i feel like anything that has that love and that passion and that interest like that it's going to be appreciated by everyone else that partakes in it and they'll see the love and the passion that was put into creating that stuff and it's just gonna explode from there 
Now, you didn't have too much of an exposure to this when you were younger, did you, Richard? No. My exposure would have been something like um, Dragon Warrior on the Nintendo. The video game offshoots that uh, kept the kept the love of the original source material and expanded it upon it into a, a way that more people could consume and get addicted to. Correct. Yes. Different layout, different thing, but I feel like in playing that, I didn't know that I was playing the core elements of a Dungeons and Dragons game because you're you you are in essence playing that, but just really presented to you differently. And I had no idea. You know, I know now, but it's kind of a it, it, it's kind of fun how it it mutates. I mean, it starts as this wonderful book, and then it kind of floats over to other games, and then it comes back on itself and. And just everything influences everything else and just comes up with a, a really interesting combination of uh, evolution in, in a variety of different ways that keeps it fresh. Uh, we're on, what, the 30th edition <laughs> at this point? <laughs> well, it depends on, uh, I guess, how you count it. <laughs> yeah, it really does. My son was, was lamenting. It's like, I can't believe it's been 10 years since 5th edition came out. <laughs> It's like, yeah, time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> but I remember, I still remember when uh, third edition came out and mm-hmm. then 3.5, and I was looking at all of the different skills and I was like, and I lost my mind. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I mean, originally I was a fighter, and if you were a fighter, you could hit stuff. <laughs> and that was right. about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think that, uh, if you look at some of the more popular things that are quote mainstream, that a lot of those elements are just based on that. So one of our favorite games that we play is fallout four and all those elements are built right into that type of game that are at least be, you know, between us, we've put hundreds of hours into certain playthroughs on those, but that's just a, that's just a Xbox, PlayStation, PC version of a Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, in a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah, so it's the same thing. Just and, and I feel like the millions of people that play that don't realize that that's actually what they're playing. So, okay. Now, Gen Con is, well, gaming in general is more than just obviously role-playing games. There has been just such a... Uh, a proliferation of a variety of different types of games, games that can be considered a Euro, a victory point-based game, uh, party games. If you had your druthers, Mr. Frank, <laughs> what, are yeah, your, what are your favorite games uh, coming into this Gen Con that just kind of stick with you? And other than Dungeons & Dragons, that's just kind of a perennial, let's go back to this and play this kind of game. Um. Are you asking new game or one that I've played before? Either. Okay, well, I'll just give you both. Um, I played uh, a version uh, or an, uh, an edition, couldn't tell you which edition, of Shadowrun, and I haven't picked up Shadowrun, oh gosh, five, six years, easy. And I did that with... Uh, a friend of mine, his uh, girlfriend and his son, and his girlfriend and his son had never played. 
his girlfriend enjoyed it so much that uh, she immediately went out into the vendor hall and bought the core book for the nice. new edition. Nice. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a little board game that I got to play called uh, Moonshine, or maybe it's called Bootlegger. Anyway, it's about delivering moonshine. Uh, Pappy's going to retire, and um, to decide who gets to take over his moonshine empire, people have to deliver moonshine to his customers. Well, there's a problem with that. Um, alligators, I guess, like moonshine. <laughs> you run across an alligator, and, you know, it can take your moonshine. All right. So, uh, yeah, I love little what I call beer and pretzels games, you know, games where you can sit down. I mean, because those of us who are gamers who are used to um, paying attention to rules and, you know, the ins and outs and, you know, that's that sort of thing, the more complex games. Yeah, we can play those more complex games, but if you really want to introduce gaming to new people, in my opinion, the best way to do that is with beer and pretzels games. Definitely. You, you know, and there are so many different gaming mechanisms and and genres that you can, you know, tap into. You know, if you're into, I remember one year at Gen Con, there was a company called 3AM Games. And these guys had made a game these two guys had made a game in their garage called Monkey Arena. Hmm. And it's just monkey. You, you play one of like six different kinds of monkeys and you're fighting each other. Um, one of the cards, the, the, the clincher for me, and I'm hoping that this is family friendly, but the clincher was for me was a card you could play called Fling Poo. <laughs> Man, that sounds you know, bananas. Yeah, a, a game that uh, doesn't take itself too serious, you know. <laughs> well, those are the, yeah. those are a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Red Dragon Inn is a very popular game right oh, now. That's I love had Red Dragon Inn. Yeah, a thousand love expansions, and I I get all of them because they're just they're silly and they're fun and they're good for large groups of people or larger groups, and it can be as complicated as you want or as simple as you want. And uh, right, yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. Those. I picked up a game called Blink years ago. That's a good one. And and Blink takes longer to set up than it does to play. Yeah. And it only takes about uh, forty seconds to play. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta gotta be a little quick on the draw on that one. Yeah, but the nice thing about that is that you can use that game. And here's the thing I like about gaming: you can use that game to teach, you know, numbers because so, they got to match the number. Right. Or they can match the color, or they can match the shape. So, you know, I mean, it, it's a great teacher. It's like D&D teaches the application of probability math. Absolutely. You know? And in more recent um, releases of Dungeons & Dragons as well as other games, it has applications of uh, sociology and psychology and literature and history and just a variety of different places that it can touch to spark interest that's really wonderful right right i agree completely as a matter of fact one of the early years of gen con in indy i met a woman who was doing 
I can't remember if it was her master's or her doctorate. And um, it was on how role-playing games such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons can be used by people who have uh, different forms of autism to teach them um, social interaction. Because when they make a mistake, they didn't make the mistake. That character made the mistake. Right. It's it's a great, uh, well, it's like uh, being in a science lab. You get a chance to test some things out in a controlled environment. And uh, right. the people around you will hopefully be supportive and everybody laughs and has fun and does it again. Now, that kind of brings up, so going to that Gen Con a long time ago. Gen Con's been in Indianapolis for a long time. It didn't start there. It started off, everybody knows by now, uh, started in Geneva, Wisconsin, and right. then outgrew itself to be what it is to come to Indianapolis. Um, so how long have you been going to Gen Con? Has it been a since bit. the Indies or before? I, I didn't go before. So I've been to it every year that it's been in Indy. Um, the third time I tried to go when it was outside of Indy, well, let me just say this. Every time I tried to go when it was outside of Indy, I would end up in the hospital for something. <sighs> That's and as, a, and as a lifelong person with a disability, that gets annoying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the third time I just decided, well, it's not meant for me to go to Gen Con, which was sad, but, you know, hey, whatever. And then it came to Indy. And I was like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Uh, you, you've been to everyone that's been in Indianapolis. I've yes. been to everyone uh, that's been in Indianapolis. Um, now, before I was able to go to Gen Con, I actually attended Origins. Uh, okay. In, in Ohio, which is a nice convention as well. Now, it's it has changed significantly over a year in what its focus is and you know gen con has also changed but not to the same extent that origins has um so i didn't have the same kind of expectations going into gen con the first time i'd seen origins it's like this is just it was crazy but it just didn't seem to have um a clear a clear focus at that point but gen con was a whole different animal what is it you think about Gen Con that has the appeal that keeps bringing people back? Because you can get games anywhere and you can play games anywhere. What makes people want to go to that particular convention? Oh, gosh. I call Gen Con a great big, great big convention of all my friends. I just haven't met them all yet. Okay. Um, and in, just in my opinion, I think what keeps people coming back to Gen Con, one, is its location. I mean, Indianapolis is the crossroads of America. Yeah. You know, two, I've heard Indy, you know, I know people, particularly people here in Indy, like to really be negative. But I've heard people from all over the world say that, Indy feels like a great big small town. You know, the people are friendly. Yeah. You know, um usually. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean you're always <laughs> going to have your out, you're always going to have your outliers. But um for the most part, yeah, people are friendly, you know. Um but 
and, and, and it's famous, you know, we, come on, we, 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 we can't ignore that. Okay. No. But that doesn't keep people coming back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just as any organization, you know, I'm, I'm in HR. And so I, I watch all kinds of things as far as employee interaction with, uh, you know, those that they're serving. And, um, it's without a doubt, those people that have a huge part in bringing people back to Gen Con. It's that, it's that, Hey, we want everybody to have fun. Now, can you point at some negatives? Of course you can point at negatives. Anybody can point at negatives for anything, you know, um, you eat too much, you get fat, even if you love it, you know, you know, coming from a fat guy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I can tell you that as, you know, a full-time wheelchair user, when I've made suggestions to, uh, staff, they've actually, they've listened to me. That speaks volumes. There does seem to be a greater level of engagement from the people that run the convention with the people that go to it than I've seen from other conventions. I would agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, if you had the opportunity, Richard, to go, where would be your first stop in this, this grand, this grand experiment in gaming that is Gen Con. If you, if you were on in the convention center and it was going on and you had all these different things to go to, where would you beeline to first? Well, first of all, if like what, two years ago, if Guar was there, that would be my first stop. (laughs) Um, Without a doubt, for sure, I would go there. But I feel like where all the vendors are at would be one of the most interesting things to me because there's a lot of established vendors. There's a lot of new vendors there. So you get to see the people that have been successful and have been there for years and been selling things and things, and there's always something new. And then the people that are there for the first year or the second year trying to present something that has been a passion and a creation for them, and they put money into it but haven't gotten any money back from it yet to see what they are actually offering and selling. Now, of course, there's plenty of other places, from what I understand. There's lots of rooms where people are actually uh, testing or mm-hmm. you know getting an opportunity to play some of the new products that are out. And it would be fun to kind of watch those interactions or watching people that are, you know, uh, have worked the last six months on some type of presentation or some type of something or uh, if they have a favorite character that has been their favorite character for 20 years and they've spent the last six months preparing an outfit that looks like that favorite character and then they're sitting at a table playing a game while in full character. Like, to me, that just goes to show you the involvement from everybody that's there. And the other thing, too, that sounds simple or crazy or maybe misspoken is that a lot of times if you go to some conventions there are what I'd call crazies, right? So there are those are the outliers where the people that are there are like far in one direction of what that convention is. But this convention seems like everybody's there is on the same plane, right? Like uh, old, young, 
It, it, it like all different types of demographics. Everybody's there for the same reason to have the same amount of entertainment to be friendly with everybody. And I think just walking around be people watching. Mm-hmm. I like to people watch. I like to sit back on a bench and watch just people interact and have fun and smile and talk and meet someone that they haven't seen in three years and all that type of stuff. So really the vendors will be fun, but that whole just level of interaction and appreciation that goes from every member that's there, whether they're selling something or just visiting, I think is, would be one of the best aspects to me. I agree. I mean, you know, if if I can add to what I said before, you know, um, I got to thinking, you know, when you were talking about the different aspects, I know there was one day at Gen Con when um, I'm a big fan of tiny independent movies. And when I say tiny, I'm talking the guy and his neighbors did it in the park, you know, gorilla shoot, um, you know, and he edited it all in his basement. You know, I spent an entire day in the Weston one year, just watching those independent movies, those little 10, 20 minute movies that someone put all of their heart and soul into. Yeah. Those are you awesome. know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, and not to mention they've got, um, Gen Con has, um, activities for the non gamers who are there with the gamers. And they, I know at least one year they had this thing they called training grounds. Yeah. For for little kids, you know. Yeah, they've they've uh, got a little bit of everything. I mean, they got, yeah, they did. And for the unfortunate spouses or friends that go with friends that are just not really into it, they they even make the effort to have okay, you're you're not a gamer. Here's some other stuff around here right. that you might enjoy, so that you can get something out of this trip in case this is not your cup of tea. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who teaches costume design and and making. I have a friend and does it there. I have another friend that teaches uh, period ballroom dancing there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just there, all kinds of things. There's been members of the military that's come in to give seminars on the tactics used in specific battles over the course of the ages, game design, you know, we're podcasting, there's podcasting courses that, that, that they do, you know, just pretty much anything that is either directly gaming or gaming and nerdness adjacent, uh, or trying to do something interesting adjacent. You can kind of find something from Gen Con there. I like, what'd you say? Nerd, nerd adjacent, yes. nerd, nerdist, <laughs> nerdness adjacent, Ner- nerdist adjacent. I like that. I am so going to steal that. You go right ahead. I uh, so I have so many good memories of of these conventions that have just grown and grown and grown over time. I remember before they had eliminated um, being able to make, let's say, some monetary. Uh, arrangements through the playing of a specific card game <laughs> before they had eliminated that you could play in those uh, uh, poker tournaments at uh, at Gen Con and one, before the, the new convention not the new convention center but the new football field was done it connected to the convention center directly 
uh, on the same level. So the com- uh, the poker tournament was happening around the corner from the field, and there was a football game going on. So when we took a break, I would step out of the room we were playing, look left, down the sideline, and watch the game playing. <laughs> yes, as I'm go. saying it. That was awesome. What are some what are some of your favorite memories of Gen Con's past? Oh gosh. I have you know what I um <laughs> um two memories, uh two two quick stories. Um I mentioned uh, the game uh, Monkey Arena. Right. Well um what made me buy that game, I saw it in the vendor hall. Well, I was at in the lobby of the Hyatt, and the, you know the great thing, and I haven't seen it. It's it's like it's dwindled or something, and I miss it. Um, I haven't seen it for like five six years. But people, it used to be, you could go down any hallway or any hotel lobby and get a pickup game. Hey, I've never seen that game before. Do you mind if I watch? Hey, do you want to play? We got an open spot, you know. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I did with Monkey Arena, and we made a house rule where where if you played the the uh, card Fling Poo, you had to yell Fling Poo, and if you did not yell Fling Poo, you slipped in the poo and you took the damage. <laughs> there was a, there was another. Um, instance and this happened in one of the hallways of the ICC itself it was I don't know two three in the morning and you know I'm one of those people that uh, you know I stay up as long as I can you know without sleep I'm chugging caffeine I'm doing whatever I need to because this is my paradise you know well, I come across, me and a buddy of mine, we come across these uh, two young guys, real young guys. And I don't remember the game, but my, my buddy and I, we wanted to play this game. And so we went up to them, and they played, I think, up to six people. And we asked them if they were playing this game. They said, yeah. That's how long they, how far uh into the game were they they had just started do you mind if we join not a problem okay super well so we get to playing and we we played for i don't know 20 minutes you know half hour maybe and um this beautiful young woman comes by and she says hey is this game blah 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 whatever it was and i looked at the guy who owned the game (laughs) a young guy and he was just kind of stunned in in the stereotypical nerd fashion you know right and uh he didn't say anything so i said yeah this is uh, that game and um she said well how far into the game are you guys well again i let this guy i'm like i'm like uh and he, I just look at him. My buddy and I just look at him. And again, I, he gets the pretty girl. Instead of the deer in the headlights look, I'm going to say the pretty girl look. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't say a thing. 
Well, me, I lied right through my teeth. I said, no, we just started here. What county do you want to be? And I shoved everything off the board, so we had to reset it. Well, the mm. next day, I I don't, gosh, I don't remember who she was, but she was a celebrity up there signing autographs. <laughs> nice. And I was, and I pointed at her. I'm like, hey. And she's, she waved at me, you know. I'm like, so we did this whole pantomime thing about, could I get an autograph? And she's like, yeah. So that was another awesome memory, you know. Well, and it's, it's kind of nice that uh, some of the people we, we often deal with, celebrities uh, uh, of, of a variety of different levels, actors, actresses, and uh, directors, and writers, and anybody that creates something to try and entertain other people. And, and you ran out of them, so you had to deal with me. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it's, it's nice to see, because a lot of times with the type of society that we have, it's very easy to lose track and not think of these other individuals as just normal people that are going to have the same kind of interests that we will. So being able, even in those interest instances to be able to uh, see, Hey, Oh, this person's also kind of a gamer and they, they love this kind of stuff. I mean, seeing Will Wheaton play games was just like, that's, that's great. I, I I watched him as a kid on Star Trek, and he's majorly into games. And I keep seeing a lot of other people that also have this kind of love for things, and it and it kind of helps create a connection that you normally wouldn't have. Now, Gen Con in more recent years hasn't had the same level of interaction with uh, individuals that you might call celebrity guests. It's it's been right. Uh, Aside from Guar, of course. Well, that wasn't even that. Well, yeah. That wasn't advertised. Yeah. So, I mean, you, there'll still still be people that will be there, but it's just not. I, I'm not certain that that's. Maybe they don't feel that that's one of the driving factors that brings people to the convention. It's more for the game. I would agree with that. I don't think it is. Yeah, and so I I, yeah. I I haven't noticed a difference in that, but that kind of brings up a question that I'll I'll pose to both of you. One thing that I've noticed uh, over the years is that, uh, uh, of course, Gen Con gets bigger and bigger and bigger and expands into more and more locations. It's not just a part of the convention hall. Now it's most of the convention. Now it's all of the convention hall. Now it's the attached hotels and basically everything within a quarter mile uh, of downtown Indianapolis is Gen Con. And so... It keeps growing, and what does this bode for the convention? Because, I mean, it's great seeing this kind of reaction. I mean, this year being a slightly different uh, different thing that we'll get to momentarily, but how does Gen Con go forward still maintaining the, the, the intent to try and have as many people be able to enjoy this ambiance and and the games that they provide but be able to also maintain some level of comfort that seems to be starting to disappear because of just the large number of people what is the way forward through that have have you had any thoughts on that me um yeah i've, I've had a lot of thoughts on it i mean you know i, I was thinking as I went through Gen Con this year, 
um, about how, you know, you didn't have um, some of the huge game vendors that took up, you know, so much right. of the vendor hall. So you had a bunch of tiny games, tiny companies. Um, and I love that. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's one of the things that I remember from Gen Con years past when you could, you couldn't swing a dead cat in there without hitting an independent game maker, you know? Um, and if you have any, um, will not will, if you have any wish to create anything, even if it's not a game, those are great. Those are great people to talk to. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing as, as it grows bigger, it has to change. It's going to change. It, it absolutely has to. Um, I think that um, they have to be careful um, because you can grow so big that you lose what a lot of people went there for. Right. And, th- and then you're going to cave in on yourself because uh, I'm not saying it's there yet. I'm not saying it's there at all. But what I'm saying is, in my opinion, that is something that they have to continue to try and, you know, strive for is keeping that that appeal. Uh, you know, for me, it's the family. I don't have a uh, I don't take a family there, but it's that family appeal, you know, where no matter what, you know, everybody can come and have a good time, you know. Now, would the size, let's say you, Richard, were considering going to a convention and Gen Con was one of the ones that was there, would its size potentially scare you off? Talking about pre-pandemic issues, would having, you know, what feels like about a, you know, couple hundred thousand people jammed into downtown Indianapolis, would that be a, a, a draw or something that would potentially keep you away? Well, I know that generally speaking, people aren't exactly the best to be around in general terms, right? In large gatherings, because you drink too much, you get in arguments too much. I have a difference of opinion on this and you have a difference of opinion on that. That's not what you get out of this, right? Everybody's there for a similar experience and situation. I guess knowing that area enough already that if you go to some of the other places, like if you live in Chicago, for example, it's, there's lots of people, buildings, businesses, whatever. You don't necessarily own a car. You take public transportation to get from point A to point B. You ride a bike, you walk, you do whatever. And you, you have to, because there's no space for vehicles. And in Indy, it's designed to have, space for vehicles, but also be condensed enough to know that you could be at a hotel, you could be at a place, but you could walk pretty much anywhere. You could get conveniently from one place to another. It's as if you're in, if you think about it, uh, like the Disney theme parks, right? So you can always take a ferry or a bus or whatever and get from all over the acreage in there to get wherever you need to be. And if you know the location enough, being in Indy, that's pretty easy in that area. 
I, I think what, in, in terms of future ones, you, you had mentioned what keeps people coming or what keeps it kind of how it is. And I, I'm thinking in the opposite direction where you're thinking the experience inside, but I'm thinking the more behind the scenes stuff. And this sounds silly, but um, contracts. So there's agreements for people, for businesses, for that to be in Indy. And I don't know how long those go for, but the people who arrange those need to make sure that those stay intact so that the convention can continually come. Because I think the last the last thing people want is for that to go somewhere else. Yeah, It is such a good place. But if you're like, well, if you want to come from the East Coast, you want to come from the West Coast, you have such a reduced amount of travel because it is more or less centrally centrally located and i think that's that's a really big draw and if you move this convention to somewhere else like let's say you i I don't know where it would go to a bigger city that can house more people i don't think it has the same draw i don't think it has the same appeal i don't think it has the same interest level because even going to some of those bigger cities just has a different feel to it that might actually detract people from going to it. So I, I think being in India is kind of one of its strengths mm-hmm. and it needs to be maintained no matter how big it may get. If it does surpass, it becomes the biggest one in the world and finding Indy, finding a way to keep it in India, I think with agreements and discussions, I think is one of the biggest aspects that's kind of underrated too. I, uh, I've, I've heard that, uh, that there's a contract with the city um, until uh, 2024 is what I've heard. Um, and if you get on the forums after every Gen Con, people all every year, people talk about moving it. And they talk about Las Vegas, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, you know, and all of those have their issues. Yeah. You know, Vegas has plenty of convention space, but it's not exactly family friendly. No. Um, you know, it just. Uh, Unless you it, want a lot of flyers sticking to your shoes. Exactly. <laughs> but the and I'll even relate Indy on a different level. So we're in a big 10 country. Yeah. So that means basketball and football, uh, women's basketball. That means all those big-time programs and all those big-time tournaments. And those tournaments, the majority of the time, are held in Indy. And they're held in Indy for a reason. They've moved them out to Madison Square Garden. They've moved them up to Chicago before. And they, they do well there, but they always keep coming back to Indy because there's a way to provide that feel of having that large amount of people in that short amount of time and have it be cost effective for one thing, but then have it be family friendly, have it be uh, amicable to food and travel and all that type of stuff. So it would be a, it would be rough if that, if it moved somewhere else. Yeah, definitely would. Well, and you know, the year that we had the Super Bowl, a friend of mine worked for the city at the time and she told me that if you subtract the money that we spent 
on making the city ready for the Super Bowl. Gen Con made more money for the city than the Super Bowl did. <laughs> I'm not surprised. If you t- if you subtract the build out, but uh, we don't have to subtract a build out for Gen Con because we already have it. Yeah, that's 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 hard math to do. Um, let's go to more emotional math. Um, so this year's different, obviously, um, and. I had a hard time, you know, you always have an expectation going into Gen Con. I had a hard time thinking of what my expectations were actually going to be uh, for for what this convention was. Uh, Frank, what were some of your hopes for the convention and did it deliver on what you hoped that it would be? Um, My only real hope I guess you'd say, was that it felt like an earlier Gen Con, in in which it did. Okay. Yeah. Um. It it really did. Um. The only negative to that being that I didn't see some of some of my friends didn't make it. Um. Some of them from overseas. Some of them from out of state. You know. Um. The positive that I that I noticed. Um, the vendor hall was much easier to move through. It was. I was able to, I was actually able to get, and maybe it was smaller this year as well. I don't know. But I know I was able to get through the entire vendor hall this year. And within the the vendor hall, the um, I noticed a lot, more, and I've been harping on this for the longest time. I noticed a lot more uh, vendors with, um, lower demo tables. Oh, you low, lower display t- uh, tables. So someone like myself, you know, could actually partake. I mean, if I can't demo your game, you're sure as the blue blaze is not getting my money, <laughs> right? You know, uh, and I've been telling people that um, there was one dice manufacturer, and I'm not gonna. Um, and, and anybody who knows me knows I spend a lot of money on dice. I have a huge dice collection. It's one of the joys of gaming. Oh, you know it. And um, the at the last Gen Con, there was one company who they had, it looked like they had a great product. But it was all on tall tables. I couldn't see it very well. And the people that were there we're not customer friendly at all. Uh-huh. I I actually ask, hey, is there a, do you have a lower table anywhere where I can take a look at some of these? And I was complete. I it wasn't. It wasn't like they were busy and they ignored me. These these folks weren't busy. They flat out ignored me. Mm-hmm. Bad sales technique. And, yeah, and this year they actually had a lowered. Now uh, it was a, it was a section, it wasn't the whole thing. But I'm not asking for the whole thing, right? You know, I'm asking for a section. You know, well, I think this is a lot of it is just if you're not in some of these situations, you know, you don't think about it, and it's it's it takes somebody reminding. It's like, hey, there are. 
you need to, we have a large number of people with different needs and you got to accommodate everybody because, again, that's the whole point. We all share in this kind of space. And it's it's just, it's nice to see that uh, that there was some some additions for that. It's The effort yeah, is appreciated. And there, yeah. And there was more space within some of the booths that, you know, that I saw in previous years that did not have much space at all. Yeah. You yeah, they, they had a section of it. I mean, it didn't take up the entire main floor like it has in the past. You, what you said is absolutely true. I was able to get through the entire floor the first day, which blew me away. I haven't been able to do that in a couple of years. Um, now, admittedly, part of it was I was a bit of a game snob this year, and I didn't see anything that really <laughs> jumped out at me for the most part. So it was very easy to walk by most of these things. Like, yeah, I don't care about this either. Um, but... Um, but even without that, even if I had stopped at every single booth, I think I would have gotten through the entire floor in two days. And it would have been, you know, just nice. Um, now, you haven't, Richard, been on the main floor when they have the full exposure. What he's kind of talking about a moment ago, what, Fra- uh, what Frank brought up, is a lot of these ma- bigger manufacturers, when they contract out to, to display at Gen Con, they get these enormous areas. That I mean, for the most part, it's a it's a number of aisles that you go up and down. But they will have sections that will take five aisles wide, six aisles wide, seven, eight, nine sections down. It'll just be these giant chunks in the middle, right. and it and it breaks the flow of traffic. Something awful. Uh, I it's maybe one of my biggest pet peeves of of Gen Con's past, and you put up with it because you know they're there for what you need, and it's just you got to deal with it. They're a big manufacturer, but in my mind, I need to go up and down the aisles in order. I don't want to miss anybody. But when I get broken up by these large areas, I'm always afraid. It's like okay, I got to turn around and then come back around the other side. I'm going to miss something, like some gem that's hidden in a corner. And then right. I, I extrapolate from that. It's like, well, what about these these people that have bought these booths that are kind of in these weird uh, water flow reservoirs that are created from this? That has to really hurt their chances to get the exposure they need for their games. Part of it, I imagine, too, is those big places pay the proper amount of money. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, that makes sense. But... Um, in terms of your purchasing and what you were seeing and walk walking through all these vendors, my first thought when you said I was a GameStop, my first thought was, that's okay. You can be a GameStop. You're there. That's the whole reason you're there. Right. Right? If you want to spend your money, you spend your money how you want to do it. If there's something there that's like a ridiculously overpriced thing to everyone else, but to you, it's the right amount of money. More power to you. But at the same same time, you probably go there. I imagine with a relative budget in in mind. Definitely. And if you're going to go there and you see things that don't that don't fulfill your your needs or your wants, and why spend your budget, your hard earned money on that thing that you don't want to get? And if it comes down to it, and you've gone through and you've looked at all these things, and some things were great, and you didn't spend your budget, well, that's okay. You probably, I mean, especially you, you probably have things that eventually are going to come up with expansions on them anyway very much and stick your budget into those expansions when they come out later on so yeah, yeah be a snob that's what i would say <laughs> as far as being a snob i'm a dice snob 
I have every color Chessex has ever put out. Yeah. Um, and you know, now in order, I just get their new colors at Gen Con. Um, but you know, um, that's exactly what I did is as far as dice go, I just looked for things that I didn't have. Right. Um, I'm a dice snob. I freely admit it. I have spent too much. I have a D20 made out of human bone. Well, that is just, pretty rare. Just because, hey, I don't have one made out of human bone yet. <laughs> well, you know? Well, they did I say have, roll them bones at some point, I'm sure, too. There you go, yeah. I have dice made out of all different sorts of metals. I have dice made out of different types of semi-precious stones, you know, uh, different types of exotic wood. Um, and, you know, now those dice, the human bone and, you know, the exotic woods, I'm not going to play with those. But right. my others, my metal, all that, I play with all of them. Now, to put this into perspective, because I don't think Richard really has the frame of reference for this. If, if you're looking at a nice set of metal dice, and I'm talking about a single D4, a single D6, a single D10, like one set of each kind of right. the most common dice, you're going to be spending over $100 for a Probably. nice set. For a nice set, yeah. You can get some for like 80 Yeah. Um, I bought a set uh, that I'd never seen before. Um, they're, they're hollow. Oh, those Everything are beautiful. In, oh, they were beautiful. Yeah. A uh, buddy of mine, um, he bought the copper set. I bought the gold set, and don't get me wrong, I don't believe. I'm not stupid enough to believe they're made of gold. Okay, <laughs> um, I do have a very tiny set made out of gold. Okay, the entire tube and the dice are as big as my pinky finger. <laughs> yes, you could never play with them. No, unless you had like a, unless you had a a very large magnifying glass, but. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, you're talking that much, and you know when you're talking that much, you want to look at all kinds of details. Mm -hmm. You know how how's the uh, how are they colored? What what process are they using for that coloration? Um, what what type of pigment are they using? Um, th that's where the 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 dice nerd in me. Flares his ugly head. <laughs> <laughs> I can already tell from the process that you use, the more I roll this, this is going to wear out in less than a year. Exactly. Next. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and it's not like, in terms of those dice sets, that there's tens of thousands of them available. There's maybe thousands, right. maybe hundreds. So that's what's going to drive the price point up on all those things. In a unique sense of... Like, okay, you can go to the, the store and get the dime a dozen dice, and that's why they're, you know, a couple bucks. But these things are, some of them, I imagine, are not are not processed by a machine. A lot are, but a lot of them are probably handmade, if I had to make a guess. Uh, not the metal ones. As, as, as a matter of fact, now, I did not purchase them. Part of me regrets it. Part of me is thankful that I did not. Um, but a few years ago, I came across a set of caged uh, tungsten Ooh, dice. Nice. There were only two sets created. One set, they were created for 
um, a, a man in either India or Italy. I can't remember which. Um, but then they created one other set. And they were only going to create this other set because of all the bits that they broke etching the uh, dice. Right. They were going for they were going for twelve hundred dollars. <sighs> yeah, I would get shot for something like that. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't buy them. Yeah. Um, but it took all of my willpower not to. You could just say when the zombie apocalypse apocalypse comes, I, I can't even talk, apocalypse comes, you have some of the most hardened metal ever to make <laughs> weapons or bullets out of. <laughs> there you go. Well, for me, the highlight of this year um, was just being back to it. I mean, I tried to think of a single thing that, that, that made me joyous. I mean, in a lot of ways, I, I had disappointments uh, in the fact that uh, I, I didn't see the uh, they normally have uh, a thing a couple things for charity that didn't go on including a uh, um, the, my brain see you can't pronounce anything I can't remember anything uh, <laughs> between the two of us we'll get through it um, an auction uh, I didn't see the auction this year if it was there it was hidden and I couldn't find it I, I believe it was there yeah and I try to avoid it simply because I will spend too much money. Yeah, I was prepared. That I was going to camp out in the auction this year, and I just then I got dragged in other directions. I started looking for it. I would take about five ten minutes. Oh no, we have to go to this other place, and I just never got to. It's usually right. right right on the main thoroughfare, and it wasn't. So I was just like, I don't know where it went. Um, but th there were a few things that were missing, but it was back, and it was basically there. And we got to eat at food trucks, and have some very okay food. <laughs> <laughs> at the food trucks <laughs> and hey, uh John, hey, johnson's barbecue was there yeah a local barbecue place yeah I you know if you don't if you don't like their barbecue uh i can't i just can't respect you that's well, the, line was, the line was long I did, I did the hoosier barbecue at their barbecue was not to my taste <laughs> it was not well, yeah sure sure but but uh, uh, johnson's i'm telling you yeah, I'd punch you. I'd punch you in the stomach for for Johnson's. All right, right. Nothing, per, nothing personal, you know. What was your biggest uh, highlight from Gen Con this year? You know, um, it was seeing the people that I haven't seen. Um, I I love going to Gen Con. Okay, so don't take this the wrong way, um, but there are always. My favorite years of Gen Con, there are disappointments because there are things that I really wanted to see or be a part of, and I just couldn't fit, you know, can't fit those, some of those, you can't fit it all in. Right. That's and I know much. that going into it, but it's still, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that pipe dream of, hey, I'm going to fit in everything I want to do this year. <laughs> <laughs> never works. right no it won't happen i used to schedule all sorts of seminars and things and, you know the first few years that i went i would have all these tickets and then slowly as the years would go i would do less and less that's like i i don't need any of this stuff all i have to do is pop into the handful of things that i want to watch in the movies uh you know i might get some tickets for that the the zombie orpheus entertainment people i always love i got a 
I, I always got to be around them at least a little bit because I love the stuff that they do. Um, but, you know, the main floor and just testing games, that's all it's been is that's that's the whole convention and just seeing people I haven't seen, like you said, in, in forever. And that's, yeah. that is the joy. I, uh, I didn't sign up for any games at all this year. Um, I, I, I got in a couple of games um, because, you know, we get the people together. It's like, hey, what's available right now? And this year, I normally I'm a VIG companion, yeah. but my VIG um, couldn't get into America this year because of COVID. So yeah. I just had a regular four-day badge. Um, which is fine. Make no mistake. I have friends who were VIG. Um, we were able to use the, the VIG, um, will call window, you know, so we were able to schedule a couple of things, but we didn't go in there with anything planned. And, you know, that's, I enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of maybe my, my one thing that I regret the most. I did VIG a number of years ago. I said, oh, it's it's a lot of money, and maybe we won't do that this year. And I let it go. And every year since, like, why did I do that? I should have stayed with the VIG and just kept it. It's 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 worth it, right? Uh, well, you know, I mean, some of the things that the VIGs get aren't um, of monetary value, really. No, it's not like, about that. Like the like the lounge. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go get your food. And have a table in relative peace. Yep. You know, grab a quick drink. They usually have drinks in there, and yep. uh-huh. it just decompress. I like the fact uh-huh. that you get a much better chance to get a decent room with the VIG. That's the thing that I miss. I like being connected to the main convention center and with the lottery the way they have it set up. Most years, I just I can't I can't get on fast enough to be able to get a decent room. Uh, I'm still driving to Gen Con <laughs> from the outside of the city, which is not the way I want my vacation to go. Well, I'm, I'm just driving from the South side and I thought about getting a hotel room, but then I thought, you know, I'm not in my own bed. That that's a cost that I don't need, you know? And, you know, for as long as I stay, when I get there, it's definitely worth the price of parking in a garage. Right. The hotel room's probably worth, you know, a set of dice every night. <laughs> um, Fairly decent set of dice. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, a couple of good metal sets, yeah. Yeah. But, hey, uh, the fact that I was able to walk to the convention center and I didn't have to go anywhere and I could just pop back into the room, it was it was worth it uh, for that. So, you know, you asked me, here's one of the things that I loved about this year. Um, I don't know, you and I have talked quite a bit, and, you know, I have that that creative side that rears its ugly head every so often. Well, I was uh, in one of the halls at the convention center, the halls that you could not like hall A, B, but like one of the general halls, you know. Right. And um, (laughs) I was talking to my friend Tom and my friend Kevin. And we we were talking about how um, it was taking a while to get for me to get places. And um, I don't remember who said it, but one of them said, 
Well, it's Frank. Frank, it's because everybody stops you to talk to you. <laughs> and my friend Tom said, yeah, you ought to just create a game about getting you through the convention center. Ooh, that'd be good. That's so that's exactly what I'm doing. That's a good that's, idea. That is my, it's going to be a cooperative board game. And it's going to be, uh, just get Frank to the vendor hall. Yeah, that's that. That sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I cannot thank you enough for taking an hour or so to just reminisce about the convention that was in the year of 2021, as well as some of the older ones and, and the general joys of gaming. It is always wonderful to run into you, to talk to you at the conventions, and just being able to do it in this setting is yet another small joy in a day of my life. Well, thanks. Uh... Uh, the checks in the mail for saying all those nice things about me. I appreciate it. Um, I, I, I can honestly tell you that uh, as far, you know, because of my past racing career and doing the ballroom dancing, I've been interviewed a lot. And I can tell you, I've actually truly, I, I, without lying, I can tell you I've enjoyed this conversation slash interview slash whatever you want to call it. You know, I've truly enjoyed it. Well, it is. it has been lovely. And, if you want to check out what uh, uh, where Frank's going to be here shortly, you're going to be going to another convention and uh, telling some wonderful stories. I seem to remember you mentioning before. What was the name of that convention again? <laughs> it's called It's Not a Con. Right. It, Are you familiar with the hotel that In Conjunction is in? Absolutely. On the southwest side. Uh, I believe it's the east. Uh, no, it's the east side. East side, right? Okay, yeah. yes, I'm with you now. Yes. Yeah, that that's where it'll be, and it's the uh, it's over Halloween weekend, and uh, we're going to be in the back of the vendor hall, just uh, telling uh, stories and giving bad gaming advice. And my friend Kevin is going to be running a uh, kids table. Uh, they're going to be playing some. Uh, I know one of the things that they're doing is playing a, uh, a Scooby-Doo, the old cartoon Scooby-Doo uh, RPG. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, he's he's great at uh, teaching kids the game, you know. Zoinks! Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just the guy who's good at scaring them, you know. <laughs> we, we all become that person eventually. But... Uh, well, thank you again, like I said. And dear listeners, if you have some memories of Gen Con or other conventions to share, don't forget to check us out on our social media. Share some of those memories. We love to see it. We are on, obviously, Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys, and we are on Facebook, and we are also on, you know, some other stuff, uh, occasionally posting lawn mowing photos on <laughs> Haven't done video. Well, I have them. I have them all saved up for one big expose on lawn mowing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're all over the place uh, as at Pudding Guys, and of course we're also on Patreon. If you decide you want to support the Pudding Guys for only one dollar a month, you can help us uh, fund our endeavor and come up with neat new people to talk to and neat new things to talk into. And we always appreciate our patrons and hope that you continue to enjoy your year and get a chance to share some fond gaming memories with your friends and family. And we will talk to you again soon. 